I'm Bill Corbett, author of the book, Love Limits and Lessons, A Parent's Guide to Raising Cooperative Kids. And you're listening to the Cooperative Kids Podcast. How would you like to have some easy to implement tools in your parenting toolbox to help you gain your child or your teen's cooperation when you're in a rush or need to suddenly change gears? That's what you're about to learn in this episode. As a parent educator and behavior specialist, I spent over 25 years talking to parents about the things that frustrated them most about their kids. And it was easy for me to agree with them since I had three children who absolutely drove me crazy. The fact is that children don't naturally transition well and parents need some strategies for helping them to do this. In this episode, I'm speaking to a group of parents and teachers who invited me to offer advice on creating cooperative kids. You're going to hear this live. Now, here are some solutions to helping children and teens transition easier. So what I'm going to present to you here are 10 irrefutable facts about kids, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to break it down and offer some things to you that you can do in spite of the fact that they are the way they are. And challenge me on this. The very first irrefutable fact about children is they live only in the moment and they have no time management skills. <laughs> okay, so you agree with that. The, the problem is how that presents a problem for us is we need to get stuff done. Let's go. We've got to get out of the house, especially if you're dealing with an ADHD child or a child with other disorders, how can you possibly get out of the house on time or get them to do their homework on time when they have, they only live in the moment, especially young children. All right, you know what that means? That means whatever, whatever is in front of them, whatever the activity is that they're participating in is the only thing that exists. And then you have the audacity to walk up to them and tell them to get up to the table and do their homework or to stop playing with that or shut that video game off or, you know, there's things that you need them to do. And it drives you you absolutely crazy because they're looking at you like, why? Why do I have to do this? This is the only thing that exists. The Wii game is the only thing that exists in front of me right now. How dare you ask me to finish my homework or, or uh, put my plate in the sink or the dishwasher or something like that. So little children, all they can focus on is what's in front of them. They have no time management skills. And so we are operating on a different level. You've got your mind chatter going a thousand miles a minute telling you, I gotta do this, I gotta pick up the dry cleaning, I have to go over here, I have to pick up this, I have to put load the dishwasher, I have to make lunches, I have to I have to stop at the store. So you've got all this mind chatter going on. Your child has no mind chatter. All the only mind chatter that they've got going on in their head is what's going on in the moment and nothing else. So I need you to step back and think about how you react to your children. Now under here it says Here's three, just three of many suggestions I can give you dealing with this problem. Okay, one, give plenty of advance warning for transition, especially ADHD children don't get it. Why do I have to stop doing what I'm doing or I can't stop doing? You need to give them advance warning about things. And, it, and I'm telling you, it should not just be verbal advance warning. Visual works far more effective. You've got to find ways for them to visually see to know when transition is going to occur. You you know what transition means, right? You have to stop doing what you're doing and go to the next activity. We don't even like that. 
as adults, especially if we're in an activity we really like, who wants to stop reading a great book and have to go do the dishes or make dinner? Well, kids don't transition well. Some adults don't transition well either. But you've got to set things up in advance so they know when change is going to happen. One of the devices that I really like is a visual timer. Visual timer is one of the most effective tools, especially for ADHD kids, because remember, I just told you that they live in the moment, have no time management skills, so the best thing you can do, especially for ADHD kids or autistic children or Aspies or children with other disorders, is to set up a visual indication as to when the segment is over. And so you use a visual, and how a visual timer works, inside of it is a, is a mechanism running in here. And it's constantly running. It runs on battery. And what you do is you set the red dial as to how much time the child has for an activity. And then the mechanism slowly, on its own, pulls the red dial until it finally disappears. Because children, normal children and those diagnosed with a disorder, are more likely to see the passing of time visually. What do we do now? We go, you got 10 minutes. That doesn't mean anything to them. Classic, the parent sets the microwave timer and says, okay, you can have 30 minutes on the Nintendo. That's assuming the parent times these kinds of activities. Usually it's, mommy, can I play with the Nintendo? Yes, honey, but we have to be ready to go to the grocery store. Okay, fine. Well, the child doesn't care about your trip to the grocery store. They don't understand. So they're going to get, remember, they only live in the moment. So they're absorbed in this, this Nintendo. And then you have the audacity to walk in there and go, come on, let's go, shut it off. We have to go to the grocery store. And then you're child going, no, come on, you're not fair. I didn't have enough time. I have to beat these guys. I just want to save my scores, right? You ever heard of those kinds of whining? <clears throat> and now a battle ensues between you and your child. But I'm telling you, it's not your child's problem. It's your problem. Because of the fact that you're expecting them to drop everything and go, which is probably comes from our own childhood, because our parents ruled with the strong arm of fear. And that's the way it was when we were kids. That's the way the world was. We wouldn't even dare get caught telling our parent, no way, I'm not going to the grocery store with you, because we'd probably get yanked by our ear or our hair. We'd lose everything in our life. We'd be grounded for two years, right? And our parents ruled with fear. The problem is you can't keep doing what your parents did. So we have to change, and that's really hard to change. So it's so important for us to make sure that our children understand. And that's why visual timers don't set the microwave timer because you're going to have an argument with them. Instead, consider using a visual timer and you say, when the red runs out, it's time to shut the video game off. And then you say, what did I just say? Especially for ADHD kids, you need them to repeat the rule. And so you want the child to go, um, when the red runs out, I have to um, shut off the Nintendo. You've got to get them to speak the words. And you know what? If you don't have one of these, use something visually. Something when, when dad walks in the door, it's time to turn off the machine. When I switch the light off in this room, it means it's time. They need a visual warning that they can see and pay attention to.
the question you're asking is, what if you do these things? You set it up in advance, you use a visual timer, you get them to repeat the words, utter the words of what the rule is for the next segment, okay? And then the timer goes off, or the red disappears, or you hit the light switch, and they're still playing the game. Here's what you do. You first of all, do not speak. That's the biggest problem adults make. Do not talk to the child because it doesn't do any good. What do you do? You simply walk up and shut off whatever it was they were doing. And you do not talk. Now, whatever the, you let them say whatever they're going to say. They're going to go, come on, you're not fair, I just need to do this. It doesn't matter what they say. Now, if they walk up and turn the device back on themselves, you reach around and you pull the plug out of the wall. You do, and you do it calmly, without any anger, without any energy, just shut it down. And if necessary, you put your hand on their back and you guide them to where you said that you're going to go because you set these things up in advance. What causes the problem is what we say and the energy we add to it. Because you know what parents do? Come on! I told you! We have to go to the grocery store. Your grandmother's coming. We've got to get food for, the, for dinner and blah, blah. All that talking creates the problem. But when you start to demonstrate that you're not speaking and you move forward, you actually create a different balance in the environment. You actually create a non-oppositional environment in the room. Don't fight with the child. Just move forward peacefully and calmly. And I know it's going to take some practice for some adults to be like that. Yes? So what if all that happens and then the child doesn't want to go where you want them to go or you can't leave them, they just want to stay where they are? That's a different story. Now you're talking about a more advanced situation because one of the first things we need to understand is what would make a child do that? What's going on inside of them that they're actually willing to fight with you over an issue? Perhaps because you won't, you won't plug the video game even though they said that, so they're taking it to the next step and they're not, you know, not going with you. Good question. So you're asking what happens when you do all that and the child gets angry about it. First of all, you let him get angry and you do not respond to it. And if a child actually gets angry like that, it means that you have not been setting up very clear boundaries at home because they're shocked, they're stunned, they're, they're surprised. It's important for the parent to set up very clear boundaries. Now let's talk about the Nintendo. Nintendo is part of entertainment electronics, which should, which should be supervised and managed. And I encourage parents that children should have no more than one hour of entertainment electronics per day. Now, if you set that up in advance and you say your time's up, and you, then the child is not going to be surprised because you created that in advance. If the child is getting angry, then it means that the parent has not done their due diligence to set things up calmly in advance. All right, so let's look at the next, the next tip. It says, teach them that their day is broken into segments. Right now, you're in the Bill Corbett workshop segment. Welcome. Uh, after this, you're going to be in the driving home segment. Um, after that, you're going to be in the arriving at home and doing whatever you do next segment. L sometime later tonight, you're going to be in the getting ready for bed segment. You might be in the 
watching this television show segment that you recorded, okay? The day is made up of segments. Children don't get that. We get it automatically. I don't have to tell you that. I mean, you're, some of you are chuckling and laughing at me because we know that the day's broken by segments, but your child doesn't get it. They think that th what they are in is this one big nebulous sea of do anything all day long. And they don't like transition because they don't understand why do I have to change? Why can't I play with this animal for the next seven years? Why do I have to do anything else? I'm being silly. So the best thing we can do is to teach children that your day is broken up into segments. That means just before you're about to do an activity, you get to a, a young child's uh, four-year-old or six-year-old or an eight-year-old, you get to their eye level and go, what is about to happen? Do you know? Come on, do you know what's about to happen? They have a lot of brains and they know exactly what's going on. Chances are they'll say, um, uh, grandma's coming over or my cousins are coming over. Yes, that's a new segment. So what kind of rules should we have for grandma coming over? What kind of rules should we have for your cousins coming over? It's important to help them understand that we chop up our day into segments and it's okay to come up with rules before each segment begins. You take a young child out of the car seat and go, oh, we're about to go into the store. What rules should we have for going into the store? So you want them to understand. Um, I was talking to you guys earlier. When, you, when the kids arrive for the program, your job is to say, welcome to this segment of their day. Okay, welcome to after school. Let's go over the rules of this moment. See, we don't normally do it because we know what the rules are, but they don't. They need to understand that new rules for each segment in the day. So let's say it's after dinner and you're gonna turn your kids loose after dinner because you just need some time without them to clear your head. That's a good time to get down their eye level and go, let's go over what are the rules before you go into the den or into the family room. What, what's going to happen? Young children talk about it. Teenagers, you talk about it in advance and go, oh, but don't be quite as uh, silly with a, with a teenager. You, know, you say, okay, all right, so you guys are, um, your, your buddies are coming over. Let's just go over what's going to happen and how long they're going to be here. Set the parameters up in advance so they understand. Oh, absolutely. Every time. Just because you think that they know or they remember, you should do it every day, all the time. And why? Because if the parent or the guardian or the teacher or the director doesn't state the rules, then it's like, then why should we have them? Let's, they're, let, they're, they're, not, they're non-existent. In fact, it's even better if you get the child to tell you what the rules are. Okay guys, we're here today, and you're here in the after school program. Does, can anybody tell me what the rules should be for while you're here? Let them tell you when it comes out of the mouths of babes. What are the rules for when your cousins come here? Let them say it more than you say it, but absolutely should be stated. You know what? Put it on a poster board. Put it on a piece of paper in the family room. You've got to have clear boundaries. As adults, we know what the boundaries are, but they don't. They're still learning. The next tip says, get them to help you create rules for a segment before it begins. That's what we're talking about. If you don't have rules for a segment, let them help you create them. 
I remember one time I t- took my young granddaughter out of the car seat and I said, we're about to go into the grocery store. What kind of rules should we have for going in the grocery store? And why was I saying that? Because I know what my granddaughter wants to do. She usually waits until my arms are overloaded or I'm distracted and she runs away from me because it's fun to make grandpa chase her in a crowded store. So I'd say, so I went, I remember one time I pulled out of her car seat, I got down to her eye level and I go, Aurora, what kind of rules should we have for going in the store time? I used to call it going in the store time. Um, um, that you chase me? And I go, oh, I can't chase you. Grandpa is not willing to chase you. What else can you think of? She'd go, um, let's sing a song really loud. And I go, that's a great idea, but I don't want to sing really loud. How about you ride in the carriage? That's a good rule. In fact, you can pick. You can ride in the carriage or ride on my shoulders. She goes, okay. So let them help you, even though they're going to come up with silly, crazy things when they're little, when they're four, do it anyway. And if they come up with something crazy like, take me to Disney World, just say, oh, that's so silly, but mommy's not willing to do that. How about if we do this? Thanks for listening to this podcast episode. Now, to summarize quickly, three techniques for helping children to transition between activities is to provide as much advance notice as you possibly can. Have them help you set up rules before a segment begins. And finally, use visual timers to help them see the passing of time. Because as I said, they can't tell the passing of time audibly, but visually they can do that. My favorite device can be found at www.timetimer.com. And I don't make any money from this referral, but I love these time timers. Again, that's timetimer.com. One last bonus tip is to create some motivation for your child to stop an activity and to want to follow your lead to the next. So here's an example. One day I couldn't get my son to stop an activity in the playroom and to put his shoes on and get in the car. I suddenly had somewhere I had to go, not fair to him, and I needed his full cooperation. Now, I could have, certainly could have pulled the toy out of his hands and picked him up kicking and screaming and put him in the car like some parents do. But no effective parent ever wants to have to do that. So in that moment, we needed to drive to a relative's home. I can't exactly remember what it was all about. But I thought to myself, what does my son really like about going to this particular home? And I remembered that he loves playing with his cousin. So getting to my son's eye level, I said in a very excited voice, hey, buddy, we're going to your uncle's house, and I bet Timmy is waiting right at the door for you to show up and play with him. All of a sudden, my son dropped the toy he was playing with. He ran to get his shoes, put his coat on, and off he ran to get into the car before I could even get there. What motivating factor can you come up with the next time you need your child to transition suddenly? Occasionally, a parent will tell me that what I've taught them helped create more peace and cooperation in their home and wish there was a way to repay me. I tell them that they can obviously purchase my books at BillCorbett'sBooks.com. That's BillCorbett'sBooks.com. Or they could buy me a cup of coffee. You can do that now online by going to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Bill C. That's buymeacoffee.com forward slash Bill C. Thanks for listening and please consider subscribing. All information in this podcast is the property of Bill Corbett and Cooperative Kids. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved.